this is People Every Day. Coming up, Lady Gaga's dog walker is shot and her dog stolen in Hollywood. Plus, Khloe Kardashian denies being photoshopped, The Voice turns 10, and activist Amanda Wynn's fight to end hate crimes against Asian Americans. It's February 25th. Hi guys, this is People Every Day presented by Macy's and it is I, your host, Janine Rubenstein, taking you through the top news and notes from Hollywood and beyond on this Thursday. Uh, Is Throwback Thursday still a thing? I I was just scrolling along this morning and I remember Thursdays people used to post all these fun, cringeworthy old pics, but now... Like nada, you know, but I don't I don't blame anyone because look, let's look to the future and get through all of this craziness out there. So cheers to that. Later on in the show, I talked to Amanda Wynn, an activist dedicated to making the future better. Uh, Her new focus is calling attention to and helping stamp out attacks and and hate crimes against Asian Americans who are being targeted right now in the wake of COVID-19. So stick around for the powerful stuff she has to say on that. But right now, let's talk breaking news. Joining me is People Staff Editor Jeff Nelson and Digital Crime Editor Greg Hanlon. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Hi, Greg. Hi, Janine. Okay, let's dig into the truly terrifying news about Lady Gaga's dog walker being shot in Hollywood. So, Greg, take me through it right now and just in terms of the TikTok. What do we know happened? Yeah, it's a really, really awful story. This happened about 940 on uh, Wednesday night and the dog walker was out uh, with the dogs and he was shot and and we just learned uh, critically wounded. He's in critical condition in, in the hospital. Uh, and the, the thief, uh, who all that we know about him was that, was, was that he was a male, uh, took two dogs, the French Bulldogs, and then um, left in a, in a white vehicle. Uh, and this happened in, in Hollywood. What was, was happening? So uh, like if, what, what do we know about, was this an everyday walk? Like Jeff, like I know she has how many dogs? Um, she has several dogs. She has at least three French Bulldogs. And um, what we know is that she, the, the dog walker was out with those three French bulldogs and two of them were stolen and one of them thankfully got away and was eventually recovered. And uh, it's reported right now that Gaga is offering $500,000 for the return of the dogs. No questions asked. This is insane and, and so scary. So I was I was talking to my producer about, you know, French bulldogs and just how expensive they, I didn't, I didn't know this. I knew that, you know, they were pretty fancy, but I didn't know the extent to which, you know, they were sought after. Greg, do you know if there's, that is like being looked at as a motive to steal these? I mean, I heard they go for $4,000 a pop. Yeah. They're in very high demand. They're the fourth most popular dog uh, in America, according to the American Kennel Club. I was speaking with a advocate uh, for, you know, French bulldogs and pugs. Uh, and, and she told me that you see these dogs getting stolen all the time uh, because they're popular and easy to steal. But stolen at gunpoint and then someone sh- like this is wild, right? Like this is this is not this seems to be normal. to be really, really extreme. Um, and obviously you have to feel for Lady Gaga, who's, you know, in Italy uh, filming a movie and then to hear this news uh, and to be, you know, halfway across the world. That's obviously really devastating. 
Oh, yeah. Jeff, tell me, you are a Gaga stan. You know everything about her. You've talked to her. You've interviewed her. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about, uh, one, what we know about her dogs and what they mean to her, but what she has going on right now. Yeah. I mean, anyone who knows Gaga knows that she's an animal lover. Um, her dogs are a huge part of her life. Um, I mean, all you have to do is take a peek at her Instagram, like any pet owner, she's always posting photos of the dogs. Her dogs have been in her documentary, Five Foot Two. You might remember that her Frenchie Asia, who thankfully was not dognapped, actually starred in a fashion campaign for Coach and also appeared with Gaga on the cover of Harper's Bazaar a few years ago. So, I mean, these dogs are a huge part of her life and this just must be absolutely devastating for her. Yeah, but of course, also, you know, her dog Walker. Like, I mean, like when we're, uh, do we know anything about him, where he's coming from? Because at first when I heard, you know, how horrific this was, I was thinking somebody was targeting, you know, him and 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 that this was, you know, something that was personal. I have not heard anything about him. The LAPD, um, you know, like most police departments, doesn't uh, tend to identify, uh, you know, living crime victims, um, you know, and hopefully hopefully he, he, he pulls through. And then lastly, Jeff, could you just take me through what we know we're, we're supposed to be looking forward to with Gaga? Like, you know, this is, of course, a, a huge tragedy that's hitting her, but she had stuff slated, right? Yeah. I mean, last year, really, as the pandemic was hitting, um, she held the release of her album Chromatica. The album came out last summer. It was, I mean, a huge triumphant return for her to her dance pop roots. But at the same time, she really kind of took a step back and has been very heavily involved in COVID relief the past year. But I mean, obviously she is back to work right now. As Greg mentioned, she's in Italy right now. She's filming a new Ridley Scott movie and she's playing Maurizio Gucci's ex-wife, Patrizia Reggiani, who of course was found guilty of orchestrating the fashion heir's assassination back in the 90s. So this is a huge yeah. role for her. And yeah, huge a huge step for her in her acting yeah. career. Well, I'm just hoping they find those dogs and that that dog walker is, is okay and pulls through. This is so crazy. You guys, thank you so much for taking me through this news. Thanks, Janine. Yeah, thanks, Janine. I'm here now with Zoe Ruderman, you know, just big shot running everything over on the digital side of things at People. But she also can really take us into these next few stories, which are a bit lighter. Uh, Zoe, let's talk Khloe Kardashian and go to Kardashianville. Uh, <laughs> uh, her new Good American campaign, uh, the images came out, of course, uh, all about the photos with the Kardashian family. But fans, uh, let's say commenters, we're not going to call them fans, have kind of called out what they think is a huge Photoshop fail with these images. I mean, if you've seen them, go to people.com to look at them. Uh, they, they are they are artistic. <laughs> She's very elongated and especially her, her feet. Her feet are very long. And of course, this is for the first shoe line for Good American, her her jeans company. They, they, they have shoes now. But uh, everyone is talking about just how um, oddly proportioned these images are. What did you think when you first saw them? I had the same thought you did, Janine. I thought this is a shoe ad. This is a big deal. It's the first time they're launching shoes, boots, 
and they've elongated the shoes themselves. It actually reminded me of those Steve Madden ads from the 90s. Do you remember where like the shoes are enormous? Mm -hmm. So yeah, very quickly (laughs) people got into it. They were saying this is a Photoshop fail. And you know, Chloe is not one to sit back and just let people, you know, set the narrative for her. She took to Twitter. She said she found it really funny. She said, I'm cracking up. Um, she said this was, um, it was about the lens. It wasn't Photoshop. She said, you know, it was the angle of the lens. She clarified, I did not have surgery on my hands or feet. Cause Janine, you saw these, like her <laughs> fingers are bizarrely, bizarrely it was long. Like Edward Scissorhands. It was kind of creepy yeah. Halloween-ish in my opinion. But yeah, yes, she, she made it seem like this was intentional. Obviously we know there have been lots of cases in the past where unintentional Photoshop things got leaked or came out. Yeah. It, I mean, for me, cool image. I had to do like a double take. I didn't look like Chloe to me at all. So definitely they were trying to do something with, with these images to kind of just make it look different, but let's get into, you know, why that was such a knee jerk reaction for fans and, and, and and people on, on social media, because there have been, you know, Photoshop issues in the past, right? I mean, especially family wise. The Carr Jenners have a long history of being called out Mm -hmm. for Photoshopping images. Sometimes it's for these professionally shot campaigns. More often though, it's like Instagram or Snapchat photos. And here's the trick that everyone uses for the tip off. You look at the background. So often it's like people notice like the curtain or the window is curved in the back. Or there was one instance where um, it was Kendall and the strap of her dress actually didn't meet up. So you could tell that like two parts of her body had been moved. So sometimes it's much more obvious and not artistic to use your word, Janine. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's get into it though. Do you, do you use filter? You know, there was that whole hashtag no filter and all of this. I, this is real. Uh, but how do you feel just on your social media Honestly, pages? I've never posted an Instagram that's not filtered. So I kind of want to be like, isn't that the whole purpose of the platform? Like, yeah. I want to look better. I use that Paris filter. I've used the Paris filter on my baby and I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> like that's part of what the platform is. Everyone else is doing it. To me, it doesn't feel like you're faking something. I will say I've never gone in and like manipulated to make my waist look smaller or my butt look bigger, which, you know, we've seen photos. Well, I, I, I definitely use the under eye concealer wand thing on one of these apps before my friend put me onto it. And I said, Oh my God, I look so much better. I look like I slept and I have no Well, children. that's the problem is that once you start <laughs> to put those out and then you see people in person and they're like, Oh, you look different than on Instagram. I'm like, oh no. Right. Well, I do both. So if you go through my Instagram feed, you will see me looking cray cray and you will see me looking absolutely fabulous. I don't think that's smart, but that's what I do. Because I feel like, you know, obviously there's so many instances where like you see a photo on a cover and like a celebrity is missing a leg. Like there was an instance where like Priyanka Chopra didn't have an armpit. Her arm was above her head and it was like totally smoothed out. And she spoke out about that. Then Adam Levine lost part of his torso. Like those are true fails. (laughs) That's not a lens. That's not like a little bit of a touch up. So I feel like you touching up your under eye or your eyebrows is a little bit different than like chopping off a leg or changing your waist totally. For sure. For sure. And I'm just going to say, as you know, getting back to Chloe, as a Bigfoot girl myself, um, I appreciate it. (laughs) makes me feel like they'll actually have my size in these good American shoes. Yeah, totally. And you got to say, like, we're talking about it. We're looking at the images. So she's a marketing mastermind, in my opinion. Chris is behind this. (laughs) Um, Let's move along to, and you actually brought this guy out, Adam Levine, but he's not on the show anymore. Um, It is the 10th anniversary of 
Can you believe no. this? The voice. I actually can't believe it. The voice. It. The voice. Like that, when I saw this and it's in People Magazine this week, we got the current cast together. Of course, there's been so many iterations. But 10 years it's been since The Voice launched. It makes me feel old, Janine. Me too. <laughs> None of Me them too. thought this was going to be a success. And in fact, they talked, I think Blake was the one who said, like, we kind of laughed at this. We thought, like, really, this is the show. No one thought it would take off like it did. But obviously, 10 seasons, I mean, 10 years is no joke. We've had multiple sexiest men alive yes. out of this show, right? <laughs> yeah, we have had three so far. And I feel like, you know, they talk about how the sexiness rubs off. I feel like we've got a Joe bro who now might think he's in the running for this. They they actually got into that. Let's take a listen to what they had to say about their SMA winning streak. Nick is next to Blake this season, so I, I feel like it's going to happen for you, Nick. Oh, man, it's your time, buddy. <laughs> it's my time. <laughs> How would you feel about that, Nick? I would feel like uh, I was in very odd company, given the fact that J- John and, and Blake were both sexy. <laughs> that was the PC answer ever. Uh, He's like, I mean. feel like it means nothing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? Look, we have we have a a great eye, okay, and I think they are not giving themselves enough credit, okay. Blake Shelton has a cult, you know, fandom, and John Legend swoon, of right? Of course. Also, I don't know if people realize the amount of conversations and debate that go into choosing the sexiest man alive. Like the day that the issue comes out, we start talking about who the guy is for the next year. This is like, I mean, we yep. take this part of our job very seriously. We're doing God's <laughs> work here, but yeah, there's a lot of debate that goes into. <laughs> It. It's it's a pretty honorable title. So I feel like the race is now open. It definitely is. And, you know, we're not going to count Nick Jonas out. He's, he's, he's pretty hot. I'm willing to consider him. I'll do that for him. Zoe, thank you so much. Coming up, Amanda Wynn on the call to action that's creating change for Asian Americans. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. The woman joining me now is a bona fide changemaker. She literally won the Nelson Mandela Changemaker Award, and for good reason. Amanda Wynn is a social entrepreneur and civil rights activist who has fought for the rights of sexual assault survivors for years. But it's her most recent fight against the rise in hate crimes targeting Asian Americans in the wake of COVID-19 that brings her here today. The NYPD reported that hate crimes motivated by anti-Asian sentiment jumped 1900 percent in New York City in 2020. And a report by the Asian American Bar Association of New York found that there were more than 2,500 reports of anti-Asian hate incidents in the country between March and September of 2020. Amanda's with me now to discuss just what's going on and what she and others are doing to stop it. 
Hi, Amanda. Hey, thank you so much for having me. No problem. No problem. So, so okay, as founder and CEO of the civil rights organization Rise, you've been fighting the good fight for a while now, right? But earlier this month, you took to social media with a video, not about your work with sexual assault victims, but about the onslaught of violence against Asian Americans. So what was behind that? Like specifically, what had you seen or heard that led you to create the video? You know, I created that moment, be- that viral video now, because I was just so mad you know, what happened was I had seen these horrific stories about Vicha's murder, about this uh, elderly Vietnamese woman being assaulted, this Filipino man having his face slashed in the subway all in the span of a week. And I saw these on Asian blogs, but couldn't find any more information about it uh, in mainstream media. And I thought to myself, first of all, these stories need to be covered. This is something that's happening to the AAPI community. Our community is being attacked. And second, I wanted people to have a call to action. For sure. Like, like you said, in the video, you brought up so many stories. And, and one of the, the big one was the, the 91-year-old man who was pushed in San Francisco that's right. and, and died two days later. Um, just horrific. Why do you think this issue wasn't getting the attention it was until now? You know, attention probably largely because you you picked up that that call to arms. Yeah. So first of all, I, w- I turned to social media, right, because the mainstream media locked us out of the narrative. And social media, I think, has this platform, very democratizing platform. Um, but to answer your question about why I think these stories haven't been told before, I think it has largely to do with the model minority myth, this idea that a group of minorities, Asian American, Pacific Islanders, can be used as a wedge against different communities of color, specifically by saying that their white adjacent AAPI folks can be successful. Right? There's this concept called the bamboo ceiling, where if you work really hard, if you play by the model minority rules, that one day when you work and you climb up the corporate ladder, you will be handed the keys to the kingdom. That's quite frankly just wrong. And I think that has bled over heavily into the way that our education system is run. So many people aren't informed, educated about the tragedies and and the sacrifices and contributions that Asian Americans have contributed to America. Um, And critically, that has made us just invisible. Wow. You, you are taking me back to Berkeley, Black History Studies. That's the first time I ever heard model minority. And and thank you for bringing it back to the forefront. Anyone who doesn't know about that, you should, because it's so interesting and important. Amanda, as someone who identifies as Asian American, ha- has the increase in prejudice affected you or, or someone in your circle personally? Have you, have you felt um, the weight of all this? Absolutely. The way that it's most prevalently been felt for me is exhaustion. It's a fog of of fear walking out the door. I have friends who have texted me saying, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to wear my mask in a different way, to draw my eyeliner in a different way, to make my eyes look bigger. And what is it for? All of these horrific incidences have been in places that are so daily. Um, People lit on fire, people having acid thrown on them. These are incidences that happened in America. And I want to call attention to what happened in March of 2020. A two-year-old and a six-year-old were stabbed in a grocery store. And the guy who stabbed them thought they were Chinese, they're Burmese. And he, on the record, said that he stabbed them because he thought that they were spreading COVID. I mean, 
that and that that it's horrific and it 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 just takes me to this this question that of course we know there's COVID-19 and we know all the misinformation and the disinformation around it, but, but why would you, why do you, what, in your opinion, are we here? Like, 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 why are you seeing the rise that you're seeing? Is it, is it just because of that? Is it just because of those, those horrific headlines that we saw in March of 2020 and all of that? You know, anti-Asian hate crimes and discrimination, unfortunately, has existed long before COVID. It existed as soon as Asian Americans, well, as Asian people stepped into this country. Yeah. And we see this with the Chinese Exclusion Act, um, with the internment camps in the 1900s. This is what happens when you literally erase a whole group of people and you other them. So what do I mean by other? There's a concept called the perpetual foreigner, right? This idea that I'm sure every single API Asian brother and sister out there has probably heard a version of this question, which is, where are you from? No, really, where are you really from? And while mm-hmm. it may seem like an innocent question, at the root of that is this idea of xenophobia. You don't belong. Are you seeing support from from other minority groups? Um, uh, like there, there's been so much um, talk in, in recent years about, you know, what people can do to come together in the face of just a, just a rise in racism in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the first person who probably shared my video and is responsible for it becoming a zeitgeist moment now is Questlove. He was the first person who posted it on his feed. And then I think Amy Schumer posted it, Wanda Sykes posted it, and then it just, it really blew up from there. But uh, beyond these celebrities, I am so, so grateful for the solidarity that other groups, especially the Black community, has shown in this moment to the AAPI community. So grateful. One, for them showing up, and two, so that I can learn from how they have paved the pathway for us to have this conversation right now. For sure. Uh, I mean, we just recently saw a march that was held in, in New York City. And and you have so many um, celebrities, Asian-American celebrities, who are just calling this out and, and demanding that there be something changed, something, some action to come out of this. So are you feeling encouraged? Are you hopeful? And and if so, like, what would you say is the most encouraging thing that's happening right now? I've been getting flooded, literally thousands of messages of, hey, for the first time, I feel like my grief is visible. Thank you so much for speaking up because I feel like I can share my truth. Here's how I was discriminated against. And I am hopeful, also heartbreaking, uh, broken reading these posts, but I think the way to heal is first acknowledge that there's a problem and that's that's what's happening right now. I love it. Thank you so much, Amanda, for taking the time and for, for speaking up here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for covering this story. That was Amanda Wynn. For more on how she and stars are fighting against hate, head over to people.com. Before you go, here's a little something to make you smile. Since this pandemic began, many of us have become a lot more sedentary. No judgment, I'm not exempt. But one grandmother from Germany isn't taking this quarantine thing sitting down. Listen here. Geht auch schneller. Schneller, 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 schneller. 
That's 81-year-old Erica Rischko and her trainer. She's become TikTok's newest viral sensation for her incredible workout routines, where she does planks, push-ups, and even breaks out her best dance moves. She has amassed over 125,000 followers and more than 2 million likes on the app. And she looks good. That's it. I, I have no more excuses. Have a great day. 